0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
1: Hey, everyone. Quick warning. There's some salty language in today's episode. A couple weeks back, Bill Belichick, the general manager of the New England Patriots, sent a text that by now he probably regrets. He was reaching out to a guy named Brian, only apparently there are two Brian's saved in his phone, a white Brian and a black Brian.
2: And he was congratulating the white Brian on the hiring or, or getting the New York Giants head coaching job. The problem is, is that he texted Brian Flores, the black Brian.
1: Black Brian, Brian Flores, was also up for this coaching job with the Giants.
2: And Black Brian had yet to interview for that job, but he was slotted to interview for that job three days from which he got that text message.
1: LZ Granderson has been following the saga of these texts. He says eventually, Brian Flores texted Belichick back, and he asked, are you sure you're messaging the right guy? Belichick's response, sorry, I effed this up. When you saw these texts, did they surprise you? No. For LZ, this comedy of errors reveals a darker truth about the NFL, that a league that relies on Black players to mercilessly break their bodies week after week refuses to let Black people lead.
2: Why is the New York Giants interviewing Brian Flores three days later when they already know that they've hired or plan on hiring this white guy? Why are you doing this to this brother?
1: The only reason we know about these texts is because last week, Brian Flores filed a lawsuit. In it, he alleges that his experience getting locked out of this coaching position is an example of a bigger problem for the league. The definition of structural racism.
2: I want to point out that Bill Belichick inherently was trying to do something good, which is congratulate one of his former assistants on getting a job. And yeah, he, he, he fucked up a little bit because obviously he texted the wrong Brian. But how you clean that up isn't by saying, my bad, I'm sorry, and then ghosting people. <laughs> how you clean that up is by joining Brian Flores in this conversation, in this lawsuit, and in this fight. What we need are more voices saying, yes, this is a problem, so that Brian Flores doesn't look like someone who's upset that he didn't just get a job, and instead is someone who's a courageous individual who's willing to sacrifice his ability to coach in the NFL going forward because he knows this has been an issue for decades and decades and decades, and someone needs to step forward to help make it change.
1: The tip of the spear instead of a drop in the bucket.
2: A- absolutely.
1: Today on the show, how one football coach is taking aim at the entire league. Will he change football for good or simply lock himself out of the game? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. The reason Brian Flores was interviewing for a job in the first place is because back in January, he got fired. He used to be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. His lawsuit looks to explain both why he was let go and why he's had trouble landing somewhere else. And it is a barn burner. He and his lawyers filed it on the first day of Black History Month. And the complaint kicks off by comparing the way the NFL does business to a plantation. It says, quote, The owners watch the games from atop NFL stadiums in their luxury boxes, while their majority Black workforce put their bodies on the line. What Flores is actually suing over is what he says is a pattern of discrimination by the NFL over who gets hired into senior positions. And the suit is a class action. That means Flores thinks more people are going to join his cause. Can you introduce me to Brian Flores for people who may not know him? Like, how did he become an NFL coach?
2: Um, the hard way. You know, he spent 20 years coming up the ranks th- through coordinator and assistant.
1: He went to Miami after having been with New England Patriots for years. Is that right?
2: He was an assistant coach with, with Bill Belichick, which is how the text message, you know, came to be. He was an assistant there. But he just spent, you know, 20 years, you know, coming up the ranks. He's not parachuting in like... You know, for instance, like uh, a Josh McCown would be. You know, Josh McCown was a was a longtime journeyman quarterback in the NFL. Um, As far as I know, his only coaching experience is at high school level, and yet he's reportedly on his second interview of being the new head coach for of the Houston Texans. That is an Hmm. example of someone parachuting in without coming up through the ranks. Brian Flores is someone who spent nearly two decades preparing for this moment. Was it always
1: kind of? a mystery of why he was let go from the Dolphins? Like, when you got that news last month, were you like, huh, that doesn't really make sense? He seemed to be doing pretty well there.
2: The the, the industry felt that way. You know, if you go back and check on social media, particularly if you follow African-American or Black or or, or just sports writers in general, but particularly sports writers of color, we were all like what? This doesn't make any sense. Why would you fire someone who finished the season so strong? Why would you fire someone whose quarterback was in and out of the lineup and that position is still sort of wobbly, but he still found a way to win? Why would you let that person go? And there had been some you know, rumors that uh, he and management did not get along, but we weren't necessarily clear at that particular time as to what that meant. Now, as we look at the lawsuit, it appears as if management wanted him to lose and he refused to lose because guess what? Say he does lose and, and and gets the money and then he gets fired for losing and having a bad record. Look how hard it would be for him to get rehired if he has a losing record and his only a- attempted at hire at, at being a head coach.
1: Yeah, in this lawsuit, Flores alleges a couple things. Basically, that the real reason he was, quote unquote, difficult to work for, which was the rumor that was put out there, was that he wanted to play by the rules, but his bosses didn't. They wanted him to have meetings with quarterbacks that he wasn't supposed to have by the NFL rules. They even offered him $100,000 a game to throw the game to lose, which he didn't want to do. And I think what you're pointing at here is really important, Which is that as a Black man, as a Black coach, he was in an impossible position, which is (laughs) there are so few Black coaches, I can only imagine that he feels like he cannot be doing the wrong things. It would be so easy just for him to be out. So he needs to do the right things. He also needs to get along with his bosses. And so it just puts him in this position of having to choose and having no good choice
2: right i i really feel for him because not only is he being you know ostracized to a certain degree for being afro-latino and i think that's an important distinction to make as well he's a black man but he also is an afro-latino and there's only one latino coach in the nfl right now you know the the idea that this that this upstanding man who worked his way up through the ranks and finally landed this dream job in Miami which is very lovely by the way at this time of year um <laughs> the idea that he gets there and they want him to lose on purpose they want him to try to, to try to recruit players which would have broken the rules they want him to do everything wrong when he did everything right to get there
1: when it comes to coaches like Brian Flores, I think our listeners have probably heard of the Rooney Rule, the rule the NFL put in place like 20 years ago, ostensibly to make sure it was hiring Black head coaches. Part of why I think this lawsuit is interesting is because it really lays out how the Rooney Rule came to be in the first place. And I wonder if, if you can tell that story.
2: Sure. The first black head coach hired in the modern NFL was Art Shell in 1989. So you know 30, some years, almost 40 years of NFL seasons and no black head coach. Art Shell gets hired, we start thinking, oh well maybe this will open up the doors for others. it did not. And so the Rooney rule was put in place because one of the things that was discovered was that black people weren't even being brought in for interviews. And the Rooney Rule said you must bring in at least two minorities to be interviewed for these jobs. And when the Rooney Rule was put in place, there were two black head coaches in the NFL at that point. Um, Today, there's one to let you know just how effective that Rooney Rule has been.
1: Part of what I thought was interesting is that I didn't realize this, but the whole reason the Rooney Rule happened in the first place is because essentially Johnny Cochran, this activist lawyer, commissioned a report that really laid out exactly what was going on in the NFL and said, there's a case here, essentially, and I could bring this to court, but instead I'm going to send you this report, NFL, and maybe you can do something about it. And so it really lays out how the threat of litigation is very important to change in the NFL.
2: Well... I guess you can look at it that way, though the solution that they came up with wasn't effective at all. And you see examples, which is why we're having this conversation about Bill Belichick and the tax exchange. You've seen examples of how they've been able to maneuver around those rules. So was it simply just the threat of litigation or was it the look of bad PR that precipitated the change?
1: Yeah, I mean, part of what's so shocking about Flores' allegations is that he says he went to not just one, but two fake interviews for coaching jobs. And, you know, one he knew because he'd gotten this text from Bill Belichick telling him, you know, I think the job's going to someone else accidentally. And the other one he just showed up and he realized— the guys he's interviewing with, oh, they'd clearly been out drinking the night before and just weren't taking it seriously. I mean, it's like every job interviewer's nightmare.
2: I mean, I mean, definitely. Not only did they not take it seriously during the interview, they were more than an hour late to the interview. So think about what that means. Brian Flores is suggesting that he was brought in for an interview for a head coaching job and that the people who are... Looking to do the hire, not only showed up, according to the lawsuit, disheveled and looking as if they were hungover, but they showed up over an hour late. This is the NFL where we know there are tons of coaches who punish players with fines for being late. John Elway, one of the people mentioned in the lawsuit, is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He knows how important time in the NFL is as a player. So, the idea that one of the greatest quarterbacks in league history was so flippant with time as it pertained to matters in the NFL lets you know just how little they thought of him in this process in that interview.
1: One of the more damaging allegations in the lawsuit when I read it was that it's not just that black coaches are less likely to be hired, but that once they're hired, they're more likely to be fired, even if they have a winning season. And I hadn't realized that before. You probably had.
2: Oh, oh yeah. I, I mean, I'm from Detroit. Our last winning seasons were with Jim Caldwell, who was a Black head coach. He had secured back-to-back winning seasons and was fired, and they have not had a winning season since. Brian Flores had back-to-back winning seasons, including finishing 7-1 and down the stretch or 8-1 and down the stretch, actually, which has never happened before in NFL history. And he led the Miami Dolphins to his first back-to-back winning seasons in more than 20 years. Essentially, since the Rudy Rule has been in place, the Miami Dolphins has never had back-to-back winning seasons until Brian Flores, and he was fired. So, so yeah, I've seen it, you know, uh, in L.A., uh, Coach Anthony Lynn. Um, Who didn't do a terrible job by any stretch uh, was let go after, you know, the starting quarterback was injured before the season even begun. And they let him go. And you're sitting here like going, well, first of all, he spent most of his tenure with an aging quarterback who retired soon thereafter. You know? So kind of not in his control. (laughs) Not in his control at all. And they let him go. It's not only that you know, a black coach can be fired with the winning season, but a black coach can be fired for some of the most ridiculous reasons that are completely out of their control and not get another opportunity to to, to come back into the lead as a head coach. Whereas Adam Gaze, who was the head coach in Miami, back-to-back losing seasons, immediately gets rehired with the Jets and has two more losing seasons.
1: <laughs> and it's just sort of... That's the way it goes.
2: And that's just sort of the way it goes. The four head coaches right now that have just been hired are all white men. And if you add up all of their records together, they don't have as many winning seasons as Brian Flores does. All four. Three of them have never been head coaches before. And then Josh McDaniel, who just became a head coach for the Raiders, did not have a winning season. And Brian Flores has two winning seasons and he doesn't have a job. But those four white men combined. Who don't have one will don't have close to the winning seasons of Brian Flores? They have jobs. Does that make sense to you?
1: When we come back, the NFL responds to Brian Flores's suit. For people who don't know, can you lay out what the teams have said in response to this lawsuit?
2: I can do it in one sweeping stroke sentence. Brian Flores's accusations aren't true. <laughs> and they look forward to disproving them. They're all basically the mm-hmm. same thing. The teams themselves, the three individual teams have said that its accusations aren't true. But more importantly, and I think this is the part where most of my frustration lies is that the NFL said they're without merit. And the NFL said that very quickly.
1: Why did that stand out to you?
2: It stood out to me, one, they didn't acknowledge there was a possibility. You have the Rooney rule because you acknowledge that Black coaches haven't been getting a fair shake at a head coaching opportunity. So you've already said that his accusations have some merit because you have the Rooney rule still in place. Two, you just went through the Colin Kaepernick conversation. Who sued you, by the way. And he settled out of court, by the way. You just did that in front of the world. Three, you just got sued for racist practices in terms of compensation for retired players using race norming as your barometer. A, a, a metric that's used that starts off with the premise that black players aren't as intellectually sharp as white players to begin with. So you just had this in front of the world, and now you're going to tell us without even so much as acknowledging that it could is something that you take seriously or something that you want to investigate, you just say it's without merit? Like, we've seen it ourselves. We don't need you to gaslight us.
1: I wonder what you think about the solutions offered up in this lawsuit— Because in addition to seeking monetary damages, Brian Flores is asking for these structural solutions that I thought were really interesting. Like he talks about funding a committee dedicated to sourcing black investors who would have ownership stakes in teams or incentivizing black general managers and head coaches by, for instance, having draft incentives for that, which I thought was pretty innovative and interesting. What did you think?
2: So, how many black women have been on the Supreme Court?
1: Uh, that would be a zero.
2: And what was the country's response when Biden reemphasized that he plans on nominating a black woman to the Supreme Court?
3: Well, I mean, what kind of a qualification is that, being a black woman? I mean, is this our standards now in terms of the highest court in the land?
2: The reason why I brought that up is because in this country, we have tried a variety of things to help close the racial disparity gap have we not we've passed laws we've done marches we've had conversations we've done you know innovative creative ways to get more people of color in positions of of power or authority or at least be in position to be considered for those positions we've done we tried all the of Rooney that. rule We've tried our Rooney rule you know we've done reconstruction, We've offered up 40 acres in a mule that never transpired. We've tried a lot of things. And what is abundantly clear is that you can legislate behavior, but you can't legislate a person's heart and you can't legislate a person's mind. And so while I do believe that Brian has suggested a lot of creative ways to rectify this, the reality is, is that unless the owners themselves have a change of heart and mind. They'll just continue to look for ways to usurp those creative methods that Brian Flores presented. Just the way that he usurped the creative way that the Rooney Rules put out in the first place.
1: So you're saying even if the NFL said, okay, we'll do all these things,
2: you're not going to believe it till you see it. Who would? Who would? Be- they have fucking end... In- I'm sorry, I used fucking, but I'm just getting really passionate <laughs> now. But it says, <laughs> end racism in the end zone as they're paying black players less money than white players based upon the color of their skin on the back end for for brain injuries and for health reasons, for retired players. They're saying end racism, where they know good and damn well Colin Kaepernick is not in the league because he wanted to end racism. And the league says, get the hell out of here.
1: <laughs> it's interesting that you talked about how you can legislate behavior, but not what's in someone's heart. Because the complaint actually begins, and I'm going to get the quote wrong, but it was a Martin Luther King Jr. quote, basically saying, kind of the flip, saying, you can't, you know, you can't change what's in someone's heart, but you can incentivize behavior changes with lawsuits like this one. So it's, it's almost like You have the flipped perspective, the same perspective, but kind of flipped, where Flores is going into this, or at least according to the complaint, in an optimistic way, like maybe something can be worked out. And you're saying, I'm just not sure.
2: Brown versus the Board of Education. Did the doors fly open for Black students then? Or did did we have to send a National Guard in? So, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm not trying to be optimistic. I'm trying to be realistic based upon what this country has shown all of us so far, which is yes, you can certainly pass laws to change behavior, but you need something more personal to change heart and minds. And I'm not sure. If you can legislate that, I'm not sure if you can find a policy to correct that. I get that something must be done, and that's something that we all know what can be done: is policymaking and lawmaking, and 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 nice speeches and 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 helmet decals. I get all of that, but until the NFL ownership group doesn't need a Rooney rule just to bring in brothers to be interviewed in the first place. I'm just going to sit back and wait to see what the change actually is.
1: I think an interesting question is who begins speaking out now. Like, you've written that you think it's really important that the players start coming forward now and supporting Flores in his lawsuit. And you've said the coaches, too. What would that look like?
2: Well, I think there are a variety of things that could be done with the muscle of players and coaches. I mean, with the, with the option of, of work stoppage as a threat. You tell owners this, 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 this gravy train that we're on is going to get derailed, they're going to want to know how to fix it. But until the gravy train is has a threat of being derailed, they're just going to keep on rolling the way things are going because things, monetarily at least, have been going extremely well. Very, very well. And look, I'm an NFL fan. I'm a Rams fan. I'm happy as fuck mm-hmm. right now. We might we might <laughs> win the Super Bowl, but that doesn't mean that I'm happy with the state of the NFL. And I think, yeah,
1: how are you going to watch the Super Bowl in the middle of all this?
2: Oh, right in the stadium. Like, are you just able to right in the stadium? <laughs> That's what I'm watching, girl. I'm right right in the stadium. I'm gonna be right there.
1: <laughs> but is your heart kind of divided?
2: It's like this, I spend a lot of time writing about politics and I spent a lot of time writing about social justice issues. And, you know, one of the hardest stretches of my career was writing about this country shortly after George Floyd was murdered. And the reason why I said it was one of my hardest times is because you write about the injustices you write about the criminal justice system you write about systemic racism and eventually someone usually you someone white though it doesn't have to be white you know shout out to you, Candace owens someone says <laughs> um you know if you don't like it get out right that's not a solution yeah and so it's very similar when it comes to nfl viewership and fandom you know suggesting you know You know, just stop watching is basically saying, get out my country if you don't like it here. No, this is America. That's not the solution in America. The solution in America is that we rise up. You know, I'm not visiting your country. I'm challenging my country. So I'm not not going to abandon, you know, this sport that I love. I'm going to challenge it to be better. And that's what Brian Flores is doing. I didn't read anything in the lawsuit that said he hated the NFL or that he hated football. But I did read that he wants it to be better. He wants it to be fair. He wants it to be equitable. And that should be something we all want. So when I write that the players that is now on you, yes, I did focus in on the 70%, the more than 70% are black. This is also directed towards the white players as well.
1: Do you think Brian Flores is ever going to work for the NFL again?
2: I don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah. It just
1: struck me that, unlike, say, Colin Kaepernick, Brian Flores isn't going to get a, an endorsement from, like, Nike. And this lawsuit is like a big bomb he's throwing at the NFL.
2: Well, the NFL threw a big bomb at him. So I don't think he started this war. He's just decided that you're not going to kick my ass anymore without me doing something about it.
1: LZ, thank you so much for joining me. I love talking to you.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for letting me get all this off my chest. I've been very angry today. (laughs)
1: LZ Granderson is an op-ed columnist over at the LA Times. He also hosts a podcast for ABC News. It's called Life Out Loud with LZ Granderson. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Carmel Del Shad, Mary Wilson, and Daniel Hewitt. We are led by Alicia Montgomery, and I'm Mary Harris. You can go catch me on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. In the meantime, I will see you back here tomorrow morning.